Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,175. Using my focus, I was able to truly embrace my one thing that has crippled me, allowed me to move forward in life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Luis Rodriguez. Hey, Luis, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm fired up and ready to go. All right, cool. Luis Rodriguez lives in New Jersey, and he is a weekend warrior when it comes to cars. He's a fabricator and builder whose recent creation earned him the winner of the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. Hot Wheels hit the road with a traveling car show in search of custom car-worthy builds, being an actual Hot Wheel die-cast car. As part of celebrating their legacy that started back in 1968 when I was a little kid, 10 years old to be in fact, in 1968 when I started collecting Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels scoured the nation, making 15 stops across the United States in search for that one special car. And at SEMA in 2018, they found a winner in Luis Rodriguez. Luis designed and built his two jets, that's what he calls his build, an authentic, unique, original ride with a garage-made spirit all his own. I got to see this car in person when I was at SEMA, and I'll tell you, all I can say is, Wow, it is very cool. It is very unique. It is very different. And if you come to the Cars Yeah website, you'll be able to see this car. And of course, we'll link you to other places where you can see this fantastic build. So, Lewis, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before I jump into the questions and share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles and Hot Wheels? Thank you, Mark. I'm basically, like you mentioned, a fabricator, a car builder, and a weekend warrior at heart. You know, not for a living, not for a profit, but just for the pure joy of it. I guess I can kind of describe myself as a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when it comes to cars. I have a regular nine to five job, which is very boring. But when I get home, I get to become my true self, which is truly a fabricator. <laughs> Essentially, just an obsessed gearhead focusing on turning a wrench or building a chassis or what have you. In a garage is where I really find myself by losing myself in my work and in my fabbing. I keep building because I can, because it really tests the limits of my knowledge and my potential. And I believe pushing myself to see what I can do is where I get to truly find myself. Yeah, well, you found yourself, my friend. And I'll tell you, as I was walking around the fantastic cars there at SEMA going, wow, I wonder which car is going to be picked. There were so many very cool and unique builds. Some of them were great, but they weren't super unique. Some were absolutely crazy. I mean, like, whoa, this is something else. And I walked up to your build and I went, okay, now here's something really different. I mean, this guy took a whole different approach than most people took, something very unique, very different. Before I ask you this first question, can I get a little bit of what inspired you to come up with what you came up with? Well, the car itself is based on a piece of conceptual art. And before I even get to that, I wanted to build something completely different. I had fabricated in the past and I've made motors fit in places where they shouldn't have and worked out different chassis in order to adjust for my personal driving taste. But I got to a point in my life where I graduated from modifying to creating. And I 
wanted to create something absolutely different and absolutely unique. So I wanted to build a bit of a Bonneville Salt Flats racer, something that looked like an old 50s belly tanker type yeah. of car. And because it, it was sexy, it was beautiful. It was aluminum and it, it's something that I could see myself in. But I did a lot of research. I started looking at bodies and it was it was same of the old. It was fitting into a car that or a body that wasn't designed to to fit me and I'd have to work around a pre-existing structure. So I figured I'd design something entirely special. And with this, I scoured the internet. I found a piece of conceptual art by an artist by the name of Dwayne Vance. I went to Staples, printed out a huge picture of it. I sent him an email. I asked him for permission to create it. And he gave me the thumbs up. And a year and a half later, there you go. I just built a car because it needed to get built. That is so cool. What a great story. Well, we're going to learn a little bit more about that car in a few minutes. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Lewis, take the wheel. (laughs) I guess a successful mantra for me is an interesting topic. I know I've always had issues with controlling my attention or hyper-focusing, call it what you will. But I always remembered one thing. My mother always told me to embrace what you're good at. So I took my weakness and found a way to make it my greatest strength. I hyper-focus on what I'm going to build by setting up a game plan, which is super important. I break down everything into categories and attack each part until it's done and move on to the next, checking off each stage after stage of a build. And by using that, by using my focus, I was able to truly embrace my one thing that has crippled me, allowed me to move forward in life. You know, this is pretty cool. And you dropped a really nice golden nugget here because one of the things that you talk about or people talk about, say in business, any kind of business, is develop a plan and work that plan. And so many times people will just start doing something without building a plan. And for some people, that kind of works. But for most people, you get distracted easily. You go down the wrong path. You waste a whole lot of time. Worse yet, you raise a whole lot of money and you end up at the end of the week or the month or the day or the year not having completed the project. So that's a really cool thing that you shared. Uh, I love your mother's uh, inspiration there as well. That's absolutely fantastic, too. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your youth a little bit and maybe share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy? Uh, I, I guess it all starts with uh, with my youth. I had a very humble beginning. I was raised in Newark, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money. I remember saving up whatever quarters, whatever nickels I could get to get to the corner store. And every time I go there, I'd see little Hot Wheels hanging off the pegs and trying to save <laughs> up as much money so I could go and grab one and play with it until the end of the day. And That's where it started. It started with a Hot Wheels car that led to a dream of what a car could be. And then from there, I started to to build plastic models and learning how all the pieces kind of came together to create a whole always really intrigued me. I remember having a book on concept cars and reading that and studying the designs and always wondering why these gorgeous cars uh, were never really destined to hit, hit the road. And I never understood that. You know, I, I continued to go and read books on cars and, and study that, but I still really didn't know how to turn a wrench. I truly was a late bloomer. It, it wasn't until I was about 19 when I did my first oil change, and you can believe that. Like I said, I knew I loved cars, but I didn't know enough about them. I always knew I wanted to modify them. I just didn't know how. At the same time, I was in college studying classical history. 
uh, my friend Junior, who was well into cars ever since high school, convinced me to bring my car to a shop. And it sat there for a while in storage because I really wasn't sure what direction it was going to go in. So I started going to the shop, visiting it with my free time to visit my friend Junior. And I began being drawn to the fabrication and the modifying that was going there. People were welding roll cages and turbos and just modifying these cars. And I was like, well, you know what? This is really interesting. And as I was drawn to that, I was lucky enough to meet the, the head fabricator at that shop. His name is Keith Laforte. They call him Bean or uh, Bean Fab, I believe is where he's going at now. I guess he saw something that I was, something in my eyes that I was interested in fabrication, the how, the why, the, the reasons why need, things needed to get fabbed. And uh, he started talking to me and he took me under his wing and he taught me the basics of how to start welding. He gave me the basics to go pick up a welding torch and learn how to do it myself. And from there, I was never going to suffer being utterly helpless again. I knew, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you get to that stage where you you know you have the willingness to learn to do something about it. And I continued to learn, you know, through welding handbooks, uh, eventually getting a job as a fabricator and welder during college so I could work my way through college and pay for the books and also fund my you know, addiction to cars, which is a very expensive addiction, I think you'll know. Yeah, I've got the same one. You know, it's, it's a really cool story, and there's a couple great things in there that I picked out. One is you found a mentor, or a mentor found you, whichever way that that happened, but that's such an important thing in helping people move forward, and, and it's kind of like the old story about uh, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime. Uh, in that essence, that mentor of yours really did that. He taught you crafts that you could take forward and 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 hone and get better and better on and support yourself as you did and put yourself through school and uh, and also have a heck of a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I take it to heart that he was there for me. And I've got to say, I've also shared that. You know, I've taken that one act of goodwill and put it forward. Anytime anybody has a question for me, I don't hide it. I find a way of helping them. If they look like they're capable, I'll give them whatever knowledge they can so they can move up forward in life because I think that's what's important here. It's the yes. shareable information that we all have should be shared so we can move together as a whole. Yeah, paying it forward is also important. And I'll tell you something I've learned, Lewis, after interviewing 1,174 people before you is we as human beings are really at our most fulfilled when we are helping others. And some people may not know that. Some people figured it out. Some people figure it out at a very young age. But it really, really is true. It's a message that resonates over and over here on Cars Yeah with people is when they start doing that in their life at whatever whatever point, and sadly, some people don't figure it out till much later in life, that's when they truly feel fulfilled. So I'm so happy that you have learned that lesson and you are paying that forward. Let's talk about uh, some of the many roads you've driven down or talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you faced. I like this question in this respect. It does make you kind of relive a painful point in your life, but that no doubt taught you a very valuable lesson that you could bring forward in your life to improve and to share with others, which is what we're doing here, inspiring others. So walk us through one of those experiences, if you would, and kind of tell us how that uh, helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your life and your business? Absolutely, Mark. I think one of the biggest challenges I've experienced, and I've seen my friends experience, is always the budget, quote unquote. You know, it's being able to prioritize what needs to get done by what you can afford. That sucks if you think about it. You know, you want to move forward, but you're held back because you're not a big name shop. 
you know, by no means am I rich. I work hard to make sure that there's food on the table and that there's a roof over my head. And cars can be money pits if you're not careful. And I've discovered that careful planning with a budget, always super important when you start, just to know where you're going, always helps to keep me on track on spending and ensuring the project gets done. You know, another great way that really helps me with the budget, cutting out the cost of labor is super important. And you can do that by learning how to do it. And you can learn how to even make the parts yourself. And that'll help you get the job done in a timely manner. Now, it sounds like you figure this out. Was there a point in time or a project where you maybe didn't have this figured out and you kind of caught yourself caught up in a difficult situation? Are you referring to that aha moment? <laughs> well, we'll get to the aha moment. Here's what I'm doing, Lewis. I'm going to push you a little harder here because I really okay. want you to take us to it rather than an anecdotal answer to a point in time where you, an actual situation where you really found yourself in a pinch and a squeeze, maybe a big failure, maybe it was a, a big challenge. I know sometimes people don't like that word failure. Some people seem to embrace it, which is great. But I want you to take us to one of those times where you went, man, this is exactly what happened. And this is how I got through it. One of the biggest challenges, like I mentioned, was the budget um, and not having a proper plan. My first car that uh, it was a beautiful car. It was a 1990 Nissan 300ZX. Unfortunately, I, I didn't have a proper planning. And I had these goals to create this race car because I was a kid and I wanted to be the fastest kid on the planet. And I, I started working and started spending money on trying to build it into a race car. And the cost of the build spiraled out out of control. It took me 10 years to finish that car. And by by the end of the day, it was like, all right, she's a garage queen. Is she ever going to hit the road? Is she ever going to race? No, because I've discovered that that's not who I was. I've discovered Mm. that I, I built a car for an ideal that everybody thinks a cool car should be, but wasn't truly me. So yeah. I built this super uncomfortable, super hard to drive car that's officially a garage queen for life. Kind of missed the goal of where I was going. And In, yeah. yeah, I didn't quite hit my goal, but it taught me a lot of valuable lessons. And I was able to move on from that and find yeah. myself in a position where that wasn't going to happen again. Well, I appreciate you taking us there. No doubt that was a bit of a painful time, but you hit on something that I've heard quite a bit from people. And I think the the most important thing I gleaned out of that experience you had was build something for yourself, not for others. So many times people go out and they do things that they think will please others. And let me give you a simple example. That is, oh, I should wear these kinds of shoes or this kind of shirt or this kind of watch. Whatever it might be, for a woman, this kind of handbag, or a guy, I better have this kind of car because that's how people will perceive me in a better light. But that's always the wrong thing to do, right? Absolutely. It's always that's what about, you learned. That's what you learned, yeah. It's always going to be about what's going to make you happy at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think going back to your uh, your comments about setting a course and a plan and defining the quote-unquote why you're doing things is really, really important because it sounds like in the car build, you hadn't figured that out until the end. And then it was like, uh, I didn't do what I really wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. And now look what I'm stuck with, this kind of albatross around my neck, if you will. And what do I do with it now? I can't even use it. It's no fun. So, well, I appreciate you letting me push you a little harder on that question and taking us there. But I think you taught us a a very, very valuable lesson that, that hopefully somebody out there listening won't do the same thing and they can learn from your mistakes. Let's shift gears and talk about a big career aha moment, a life aha moment. Uh, Maybe when you decided to do this build was your big aha moment, but walk us through one of those, would you? 
Absolutely. In college, like I mentioned, I studied uh, classical history. I saw, studied, and appreciated all manners of art that was displayed in museums. I still do. I take my family there and uh, we enjoy what's on display and, and, and see what has come through centuries of time, you know, where we've been as a people so we could see where we're going. Um, I even tried my hand at sculpting and that was a lot of fun. And eventually I saw that working on cars was really no different of a form. You know, some people build cars to look cool at a meet you know, cars and coffee or on the road. But what is the actual lasting power about having the, the newest set of wheels, whether they be carbon, whether they be a little bit lighter, a little bit larger in diameter? You know, what are these car parts on the market? Brand new, what does that actually mean? What's the true longevity? Is it just getting, like you said, a pair of sneakers or a handbag? Uh, what is truly being remembered? You know, five, 10 or even 50 years down the road, realistically, you know, you have to break the mold. You know, I, I realized and that aha moment was that you have to create something so different, it has to be respected. I can appreciate art for what it is, you know, and I'm not saying my cars are art. They're absolutely, you know, they're, they're cars. They're, they're modes of transportation with four wheels, but it's the manner of how I built it. I realized that art must inspire emotion. And that's what I try to do with these cars. I try to create a feel. You know, art must transcend time. And that's kind of my goal now. Do something so drastically different because it should be done, because it needs to be done. Because you can't be one of the sheep. You have to go ahead and break from the herd so you can do something different. You know, to achieve immortality by transcending genres, by creating what I feel is art on wheels is what's important to me now. You know, I believe that true wealth in motorsports truly isn't from the money. It's from being remembered by being daring enough to venture into the unknown. You're an artist, Lewis. <laughs> You're an artist indeed. Very well said. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. That first car you got that had great meaning for you. Maybe you had to save up for a long time. Or you had to work really hard at it. Or maybe it's the first build you did that really came through the way you envisioned it. What was that vehicle? <laughs> that first special car was my first car. It was a 1990 Nissan 300ZX. And unfortunately, it was a non-turbo. <laughs> it didn't stop me from okay. thinking that I was speed racer. It didn't stop me from thinking that I was going to be the fastest guy on the road. You know, I yeah. remember my first race and I could not believe I took a loss to a Nissan Sentra. <laughs> How uh -oh. does a sport, sports car take a loss? And I knew it was because the driver still learning how to drive stick. But, you know, yeah. I vowed to myself that was never going to happen again. So <laughs> I, cool. you know, I, I started doing research. I started looking into motors. I started looking into because I knew that non-turbo wasn't going to be it. So I started researching the Toyota Supra, realized that the 2JZ two, two engine that it has in it had a great potential for power. So I started picking up books and started studying and really started looking into how I could develop that motor. And I was able to get to a point where that car eventually, you know, I put out 967 horses, which was a lot of power for the street. What? Yeah, it, oh it was. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> Holy cow. That's incredible. It did have quite a kick to it, you know, but uh, uh, yeah. the, the beauty of that car was that it gave me a platform. You know, it was a reason why I learned to fabricate. You know, it, it allowed me to get to, to a point where I realized immediately that I didn't have the budget to build it the way I want unless I stepped up to a plate and learn how to do the labor myself and how to actually get the job done. So it wasn't so much wow. as a, of a car, but it was also a stepping stone for me. There you go. Holy cow. Yeah, big step. 
How about Settlers from Mars? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back? Uh-uh. I, I'm a bit of a pack rat when it comes to cars. I, I'll get rid of one that isn't important to me, but the ones that, you know, you fall in love with are really hard to let go. They become members of the family. And I've yeah. never really sold a car that, especially cars that I've worked on, cars that I've shed blood, sweat, and tears on. These are cars that you've spent time on, you know, that you've burned yourself on. You know, if you've ever burned yourself while welding and then you've touched a piece of aluminum that melts at 1,200 degrees, you know what it is to feel pain for, for something you care about. <laughs> and after yeah. something like that, <laughs> there's, there's no walking yeah. away. You, you, you're kind of all invested, you know? There you go. Well, you're a smart guy. Well, I would love for you to kind of walk through and explain to listeners who have not seen two jets, and it's spelled the number two, J-E-T-Z. That's the name that uh, Lewis has for this very special build that Hot Wheels is going to create into a toy. Uh, I'd love for you to kind of walk through and explain people what this thing is, what it looks like, what it's powered by. Uh, you talked a little bit about the inspiration, which is great, that came from an artist drawing. Uh, but if you had to explain this to somebody who could not see it, how would you do that? I think the way I could explain it is almost a fighter jet on wheels. And one of the yes, greatest yes. compliments <laughs> that I can get is that when I drive it around and somebody walks up to me and they ask me, what airplane did you get that from? That is the best compliment because that tells me that I did such an accurate job on, de on a depiction of what a jet should look like that they actually mistake it for a real one. And that's what it is. It's a jet on wheels. It's designed to be a somewhat of a retro, otherworldly, salt flats racer based on jet from maybe a junkyard or a boneyard, an aircraft boneyard that somebody took together and built. And that's a feel that I saw in the conceptual art. And that's what I, that's what I created. I started with a Nissan 300ZX as, as a donor vehicle and built right off the subframe of that. I cut it down to what I absolutely needed to keep the weight down to a minimal. The, the car right now weighs about 1,650 pounds by utilizing the lightest materials I could get my hands on wholesale. I'm talking about 4130 chrome molly tubing. That's the body. And then on top of that, the actual skin, I quilted a metal frame and used uh, 6061 aircraft-grade aluminum and pounded that out so I would have a very nice bulbous aerodynamic-looking body. Uh, the car is powered by another Toyota Super Engine because, like I mentioned, my first car was a, was 2JZ powered. I had a lot of experience working with those engines. That's the one that I wanted to use. The car puts out 627 horses on pump gas, which is actually pretty impressive because E85 ethanol, you don't need any NOS. It's just purely bring what you brought. The power is there. From that, the car is mated to a 2010 STI six-speed that I converted into a transaxle, technically powering the rear wheels, but you know it's usually powering the front and eliminated the output shaft and did, did what I had to to get that as a functioning member of this family, if you will. You know? Yeah, well, well, I'll, I'll remind our listeners that you can go to uh, Lewis's show notes page on the Car Show website. We'll have a picture of the car there. Uh, of course, you can also go online. We'll put links to Hot Wheels where you can go and see pictures of this thing. But uh, yeah, again, Lewis, I really commend you on what you did because the competition was incredible. The cars people put together for this just blew me away. And I was so excited to see your car there at SEMA and get to walk up to it. But I'll tell you, I was with a friend of mine and I looked over and I said, what plane did this come off of? So you did your job, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's exactly, exactly what I said. I wonder what plane this came off of. So 
Very, very nice. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Lewis. Being a creative guy, I'm really curious how you'll answer this. If you woke up tomorrow and you had manifested into a vehicle, a car, a truck, and you were sitting in a garage, what would you be and why? I have a love of uh, many cars. I, I don't, I've moved on from just looking at one, you know, brand or one maker model. And now I kind of have a love, like I mentioned, for all cars. But if I were a car, I guess I would be just your typical project car stuck in the garage my whole life. When I hit the road, I know I'll shine in my, my own unique way. A unique build. I kind of figured that's how you're going to answer that. So yeah, something cool that Hot Wheels would put together for all of us fans of Hot Wheels out there. Well, Lewis, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Lewis, we are back and we're entering the last lap, or in this case, the last loop of the famous orange Hot Wheels track where the car does the big loop-de-loop. I used to love those things before that shot off across the kitchen floor. (laughs) My mom tripped on it. This is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? That one is actually really interesting because it's not actually for an automotive uh, purpose. Uh, when, when I was younger and I was still in college, I remember working with the North Public School System and I'd, I'd ride this school bus and I remember talking to the bus driver who was this absolute incredible individual. And this guy was street smarts in ways that I could not describe. He was like a Kung Fu master of the street. And he knew <laughs> I was having some, some, uh, some lady issues. And he told me this. He said, the best revenge 
is success. So basically, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just dedicate yep. yourself to getting the job done. Find new yeah. ways to further your knowledge, improve and sharpen your skills, and let your true devotion lead to the ultimate proving ground. It's basically telling you that if you go ahead and find yourself down by thinking about what everybody else is doing, it's going to hold you back. You have the ability mm -hmm. to improve. Just do so by improving yourself. Yeah, we're a wise man, wise man, and you're a wise guy. I shouldn't say it that way. You're not a wise guy, but you're a wise man for listening <laughs> to that to that advice. So we are from New Jersey, so maybe you're a wise guy. I don't know. But will you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Uh, see, that one's tough. See, my best habit is also my worst. It's my determination or my OCD to get the job done. I know I'll get it done, but it's always at what cost. You know, is, is it going to sure. cost a late night? Is it going to be me skipping three meals so I can finish, you know, installing a certain floorboard? And, you know, life is about balance. And unfortunately, sometimes my determination, you know, pushes the, the, the scales of the balance in one direction versus the other. There you go. Well, important to know that so that you can uh, control that a bit. Now, how about a resource? There are lots of great resources these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? Uh, you know, there's you got to get them where you can. You know, it, it's either being on a community, on a forum. Uh, find people that are fans of the cars that you want to work on and mingle. You know, chances are good yeah. you're going to find somebody, whether it be somebody to take you under their wing or somebody to just share some information with some of the problems you're having. I think that the answers are always going to be out there. You know, you just don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call a friend or call a pro. And then, of course, there's also, you know, there's always going to be the DIY videos. You know, I've got a patch that says I'm a certified YouTube mechanic. <laughs> it's because I try, to, I try to learn from people who've done it before. So that way I can be a better person in terms of the garage and, and my work ethic. You know, I, I, if I know what I'm doing, I can focus on, on how to get the job done. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Oh, that's going to have to be Ferruccio Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a guy that uh, decided to go out and do it on his own, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's it. I mean, he was a true innovator of motorsports. Uh, he knew he could create a better product. He knew he could step up to the plate. And he did so. He had no fear. And that's the beauty of it. He knew he had to go and get the job done. And he went and he did it. And I think... Throwing down with somebody like that, I think you can only improve yourself by realizing what it's going to take to be a true innovator. Yeah, absolutely. I had the great joy back in 2011 of touring the Lamborghini factory. It was mm. a week before they were going to release the Reventon, which is a pretty out there car. Uh, just, you know, it was like a flying spaceship, it looked like, on four tires. And uh, really cool. Very small factory. I mean, they work at a whole different kind of pace than big factories, of course. It was kind of like they just were walking around, having a sip of cappuccino, talking and put another part on. That's, and I know it's not that lax, but it was it was a whole different vibe than, say, the Porsche factory or even, well, you go to the Mercedes factory where they're just pumping out massive numbers of cars. Everything's moving at a very fast pace. I really liked the Lamborghini factory. Get over there if you ever get a chance. It's a beautiful place to visit. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? I'm not sure about enjoying, but I think for improving their, <laughs> the, themselves as better uh, gearheads, mechanics, fabricators, you know, painters, there was a series of books from a company called HP Books. And it was basically how-to books for the automotive industry. It's instructional manuals on how to get the job done. You know, and the two books that they had was the Welder's Handbook and the Sheet Metal Book. 
And th- those helped me tremendously because it was step by step what you need to get into this world and what kind of skills you're, that are going to be required. And it'll teach you how to make the basic steps so you could go ahead and move forward. Like the welding handbook was fantastic because they literally told you, this is what you need. This is where you need to set it at. And now what you're going to do for your first project is you're going to create a welding table. And right off mm-hmm. from the bat, it's projects with instruction, with information. And it, they're fantastic. Again, that's HP books. I found them like 15, 20 years ago on Amazon, I think, or eBay. And they've been uh-huh. fantastic. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Lewis has been so kind to share on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com and type in Lewis Rodriguez and his page will pop right up. All right, Lewis, we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world to park in your garage, but there's a couple rules to the game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. I need you to keep it. The other is I want you to drive it and enjoy it. No garage queens here at Cars Yeah. So what can I buy you today? Ah, that's going to be a car that you can't buy because I already own it. (laughs) Oh, well, I like this. You're going to be a cheap date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's basically a 1963 Datsun Roadster prototype. It's a car that I stumbled across purely by chance. You know, I was shopping around for parts for my 1970 Datsun Roadster, and those cars are somewhat rare. And to find parts, you got to go shopping state to state. You've got to be willing to go and really search for what you want. And, well, I found a guy who had some parts, and he was located in Virginia. You know, he had the parts spread across a few barns and a few old garages, basically a real steep country mountainside. And, you know, I was like, all right, this is interesting. So I was like, all right, this is what I need. These are the parts I needed. And he's, uh, he just kept asking me, hey, uh, do you want to see my prototype? And I was just like, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, all right, this good old boy has got a prototype of what? You know, he's like, well, do you want to see my prototype? And I was like, like is it moonshine? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, I'm always, I'm always good to have a drink. So let's go see, like, let's go see your prototype, quote unquote. And uh, walk over with him. And he had this old rusty roadster, but the details were a little bit different. There was just something that was a little bit off by it. And he starts telling me that this vehicle was displayed at the 1962 New York auto auction. I was just like, no way. And then he starts breaking out the paperwork and the, line- the lineage all the way from Datsun to him being the last owner. And it was phenomenal. It was actual real car that spun around on a pedestal at the New York auto show and was wow. just an absolute important vehicle. Yeah, and the, yeah. the reason why it was so important is because what it was. During that time, Nissan was creating cars. But the SPL 310 Roadster, this vehicle model, was Datsun or Nissan's first true sports car. It's the first time they actually tuned the engine to have a little bit more power. They tightened the suspension so that way it would handle a little bit better. You know, it was forward thinking, but it was the first time. The Roadster was the predecessor to the Z. They called it the Fair Lady. The Z that came after was the Fair Lady Z. You know, and then after that was the, the 240, the 260, 280, 300, all the way up to now, which is what, the 370Z. Yeah. You know, it led yeah. to a whole line of important motorsports that, that ushered a new, new wave for, for Nissan. And that is just absolutely monumental in what I can respect for a car. I mean, this was the first and for me, that's what I'm all about. It's about being the first. So to actually yeah. find this, I, I was just like, yep, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, score. Well, that, that car was designed by uh, Yuichi Ota, if I'm saying his name right. 
Yeah, and they made those cars from 59 to 1970. And I tell you, as a kid, the neighbor across the street from us had one. And he used to let me drive it once in a while. It was just the coolest thing. And when he went to sell it, I really wanted to buy it. My dad talked me out of it because I think my dad had a little foreshadowing of what was to come. And a friend of mine ended up buying it and that engine grenaded about a month later. <laughs> and uh, I'd had some problems. I think my dad maybe was smart enough to look under and see all the oil dripping off the bottom of that thing. But uh, really, really cool cars. Uh, so happy that you have your dream car. I run across this from time to time from people on this show, and it just makes me smile, not only because I don't have to buy you an expensive Ferrari GTO, but <laughs> the fact that you have what you really want is really, really oh so special. That is very cool. Well, Lewis, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. Congratulations again for winning the Hot Wheels Legends Tour. This is absolutely spectacular, like a childhood dream come true. I want to thank you for sharing your journey and this car that you built for Hot Wheels. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off into the sunset in your 63 Datsun Fair Lady? <laughs> yeah, the thing about business advice is I'm probably the worst person to give it. That's because I dedicate myself 100% to each project I'm working on. And that has a tendency of blurring the lines of actual profitability. You know, you got to have some kind of balance. But I can say yeah. this, you know, project cars, they're very much like relationships. You get what you put in. It has to be right. <laughs> yeah. it's got, you know, it's got to feel right. Do you yeah. need to scrap it and go find the right one? I don't know, but it has to be right for you. Before you start any project, you have to ask yourself, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And it's an abstract question. It's basically one bite at a time. doesn't matter how yep. big the project is. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. Planning is super important. You have to get a dry erase board and start a plan, especially with the larger projects that you want to build. You know, what's your budget? Break up the project into categories, you know, set it up through phases, physically see what needs to get done and assign a number to it. So, you know, what gets done first and there's a rhythm to the madness. Very nice advice and smart and good and grand. And it obviously works really well. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing? <laughs> All right. Well, try to stay as humble as possible. So I really am an open book. If anybody has any questions about life or future projects, or they need advice about how to get something done. You can you can either DM me on Instagram at 2JetZ, or you can follow me uh, and my progress on Instagram. Very good. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Lewis's show notes page. And I'll remind our listeners, I'm going to have a couple guys from Hot Wheels on the show in the very near future, Ted Wu and Chris Down. I met both of these guys, of whom you met at SEMA when you were awarded your prize for the car that you built. Uh, designers and marketing guys from Hot Wheels that uh, I'm going to have on the show very soon here. So look forward to having them on the show so we can learn more about what Hot Wheels is up to. I bound a big shout out to Natalie at Hot Wheels for uh, putting us together, Lewis, because you know what? Like I said, I've got all my old Hot Wheels. Uh, they just uh, were a big part of life for me growing up. And every time I'm in the store with my wife and I start to reach to one, she's like, stop it. You've got too many of those. You don't need any more of those things. You're a grown man, for goodness sake. But you know what? We're all big kids at heart, for sure. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Lewis has shared on his show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Lewis Rodriguez, and that page will pop right up. Lewis, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you so much. And thank you, Hot Wheels, for giving me this opportunity to be here with you. I mean, I'm truly grateful for everything that I've experienced 
And it's really awesome to see something that you work hard at bring you to a point where other people can appreciate it more than just yourself. Like I said, Mark, thank you again for having me here. And I look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the future. Thank you and congratulations. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified. And he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.